screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow, up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Entertainment Apex, the show where this season we are looking at the movie Miracle in line with the Winter Olympic Games, and this is actually one of my favorite movies, so I'm looking forward to doing this, but I can't do it alone. This season is a team season, as this is the biggest team in Team USA history, so I figured it would be perfect to have teams do this this season. So, first of all, we have Robert E.G. Black. Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And we have Jim O'Kane. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, been a lot of fun watching the show. I, I've never seen that movie before, so it was uh, really it was interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and I was about to say history with this movie, and you guys just saw it for the first time doing this. Wow. Yeah. So two yeah. days ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was, wow. uh, I, I was. I, I thought I had seen a lot of uh, um, Kurt Russell's over, but this was outside outside of my. Uh, my wheelhouse so it's very intriguing watching him very cool very cool well for me this is actually this movie was one of those movies that's from movie theater twice because i'm a hockey guy so i did see this in theater twice well i used this as a for my my girlfriend at the time i'm not a lord of the rings fan i'm not a big lord of the rings fan but she wanted to see lord of the rings return of the king and so i said in exchange you have to see miracle with me (laughs) (laughs) and she didn't want to see miracle so it was one of those exchanges there but then i ended up going by myself to see it again so I ended up watching it twice in theaters. So, um, so I love this movie so much. So before we get into that, I actually have a lot of notes. But we, of course, this is a Walt Disney picture. Continuing my trend of doing Disney pictures. This is my fourth season in a row doing a Disney movie. I'm not sure how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's going to change next. Next, my next movie is not Disney. So I don't know that. But anyway, <laughs> the Disney movie. So I figured, let me look to see Walt Disney Pictures, what came out around this time. This came out on February 6, 2004. And around that time, we had um, Teacher's Pet, which is a Walt Disney television animation movie, which I never even heard of until I was doing my notes. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. we have Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen and Home on the Range, the Disney animated feature that I have heard of, but I don't think I've actually seen more than once. <laughs> so... Let's actually get into this. We are talking about Miracle, which is a 1980 Olympic team. Robert, I'm going to ask you, I actually don't know how old you are. Are you in the age range where you've seen, the, seen any involvement with the 1980? I know I'm too young for that. so I'm A, a little young, from, yeah. Yeah, same uh, here. 84 Olympics, I was paying attention, but I was I was born in 76, so. Okay, there you go. I was I born in 82, yeah. Yeah, I was born in 82. So I was definitely not even born when this happened. But my mom, <laughs> so. my mom talks about this game, talks about like Mike Ruzioni and the Miracle Team forever. She was she she was obsessed with Mike Ruzioni. So like, <laughs> she, so my mom loved this. She's not even a hockey fan, and she was obsessed with this. So that says a lot about this team. You, you say that guy's name, and I'm like, wait, was that the goalie? Which guy? <laughs> I don't even know which is which. 
Yeah. So watching this movie, I'm like, it's a bunch of young white guys. Uh, well, the they all look alike. I don't well, know. Part is, it's really warm in my studio, or I would have had my Team USA jersey that I have. <laughs> I was gonna put it on for the show because I had ordered a T-shirt that hadn't come in yet. But, you know, I, I had a 1980 Team USA T-shirt that I bought that had not come in yet for this recording session. I was looking my jersey on, but it's just too hot in the studio to do that today. <laughs> but um, Jim. Obviously, you're older than uh, us. Yes, so thank I'll you. Yeah, well, I was I was working at the quarry, and I slid down the back of my brontosaur, saying "Yabba dabba <laughs> um, But yeah, I, actually, I, I do remember the I do remember this very night, and I I missed it because, and I'll t- <laughs> I was doing laundry. I was I was going to school at uh, the University of Texas in Austin. And I lived in an apartment that had a, a centralized laundromat, and they had a bunch of they had a bunch of laundry thefts going on in in the apartment complex. So you put your wash in the you know you put your wash in the washer, you'd set the timer, you'd set your watch, and then uh, you come running back 15 minutes later to make sure that your laundry was still there. And I was watching the game; it was in the last period, and uh, my two neighbors downstairs from me. Uh, I had a color TV and they had black and white and they wanted to watch it in color. So they came upstairs and I, I was, I was the one with the job and the color TV. So they came up and watched the, <laughs> watch the, watch it on, on, on my little, uh, my little color TV. And um, as, as they were getting down to the end, it was down to like the final two minutes and my, my, uh, my alarm on my watch was going, Bzzz. Oh no, I, I, I gotta go. Let me, and then I, I, I got, I got back, I filled up all my, all my laundry baskets, took it all back. And then there was just, you know, pandemonium on the screen and they said, you missed it. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Did we win? <laughs> yes, we won. So I missed, you know, it's uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was away to, because I was uh, <laughs> picking up my, my socks and underwear out of a, out of a dryer. I missed the, uh, I missed the big moment, but I did That's... see some of the game. I did see some of the games. That's amazing. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it really was at a, at a critical time. I mean, I remember, I remember the whole Iran hostage crisis and every night Ted Koppel would be on the air saying, this is day 37, this is day 46. And this is, you know, <clears throat> and um, everybody was in like a really bad mood. It was, it was kind of, it wasn't quite nine 11, but it was um, just a really bad time in the U S it was, um, you know, we were losing all around, uh, Inflation was big. Unemployment was big. Everything was everything was down. Everything was really in a bad, bad shape. But then uh, then this little game happened and it was just a bunch of I mean, well, you see them in in this movie, just a bunch of regular guys. They weren't it wasn't like a dream team. It wasn't you know, it wasn't some magical. These guys are ring. Everyone is a ringer. It's like, no, they're all hardworking guys, but they all came from little podunk schools. They weren't the best in their in their group, but they were the hardest working guys. And, um, you know, seeing her put the put this together, um, that story just resonated with everybody watching that it was like, these are just regular guys that all banded together and beat the Soviet Union, who, you know, I mean, it was it, it was us against them at the time. And it was a real it was really something to see this little piece that uh, that that happened in the middle of all this bad news. Well, that that's, that's actually sounds fantastic. Um, one thing I will say, I have actually seen the game. I have the game. I have the game oh, on okay. a DVD. My um my my wife found it on eBay. Someone was selling a copy of it on eBay and she bought it for me as a surprise. So I do have it in my hockey DVD collection. So it's actually I have watched it in full a couple like one time. And it's it's so bizarre to watch 1980 hockey because it's completely different than what I'm used to. So really yeah, yeah, no, no helmets, no, yeah, they're just yeah, it's 
it's all very very loose and all the hair and yeah uh, and like yeah uh, I, I have to say i missed it i missed it live but they must have played it about 80 times later that night you're just watching the whole <laughs> thing so it's like i saw it That's it was um, it was the two things i remember from like 1980 and 81 is like how many times they replayed that how many retime how many times they replayed the reagan shooting that was always Oh they, my god! <laughs> they replay that every every thirty seconds. You but here it is again. Here it is again. And it was it was like that. Only this was good news. This was really wow. Yes. This, you know the <laughs> hockey uh, a, a hockey win. Um, and you know you got to remember we didn't we didn't go to the uh, to the Olympics. The the, the the you know the summer Olympics were, were canceled right. that year. So this was our only win. This was the only great thing everybody could hang on to. And uh, it and the the legend of it got bigger. You know, it's like the 1977 World Series with the Yankees. It was like this: the legend got bigger and bigger as as time went on until you, until you could have a Kurt Russell movie about it. Yeah, uh, exactly. And here we are. Now you mentioned the history of the U.S. at the time, and that's where we leave our opening credits. That's where we second to our opening credits. When me and Robert were talking right before we came on, how this is an extremely creative way to catch everybody up on the United States at the time. If you were not born or not grew up and, and you have this history right here and you literally the first like five minutes, like setting up where we are yeah. in time. So mm -hmm. I like this. I love this. And even on the commentary track, they said they put this in here mainly for that reason. Because yeah. they realized a lot of people watching this movie did not grow up in the 70s. So they want to make sure people know this is what was going on at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's similar to uh, it's similar to the, the, the movie that I had reviewed recently, Apollo 13. Um, I'm old enough to remember Apollo 13, but that whole opening that we that we had in Apollo 13 of Walter Cronkite explaining this is what happened with Apollo one. There was a fire and then, yeah. we, you know, we were losing people and this it, it, it sets the stage. And that's what you have to do with this, because you figure that was 40 plus years ago. So a lot of the people watching aren't even 40. So, you know, if you want to get that audience, you better explain to them what, what they're watching just so they, they have a, a, a stake in this. Exactly. Exactly. So that's where we start us off here. We start off. And we literally go through the entire 70s in this montage. Like, it's crazy when I would take in the notes telling me, we really did go through the entire 70s. We, um, we start in 1970, and I literally wrote down the headline that popped up on the screen. It said 100,000 anti-war protesters rallying in Washington, D.C. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel like that could have been any decade. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that never changed. <laughs> I think that, that, that did completely yeah. the day. Run, run the post, run the protester video again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Pick, pick one. Yeah. Could have been last year. <laughs> Be honest here. But um, so that was that was interesting to start us off with. But then we go into what are the ones I didn't even know about before this. I did not realize that Russia beat Team USA in the Olympics in a gold medal game in the in 1972 Olympic Games. I did not know that until this. And I looked it up. I'm like, it can't be the gold medal game. And they beat him. And I'm like, wow. And by the way, 51 to 50, the very low scoring game. <laughs> low scoring basketball game. So yeah, that's make sure you crazy. say basketball because that yeah, were a hockey score. Game. That's high. Yeah, yeah that's high. It is a basketball <laughs> Really score. bad defense if that's a hockey <laughs> score. Yeah, no, I know. But I found it interesting that this is the first time that Team USA had ever lost a medal game in basketball in the Olympics was to Russia in the seventy-two. <laughs> it was the first oh. time it ever happened. So huh. like that's why that's a big deal. Like that's a very big deal yeah. when it happened. So then we get to Watergate, which it's Watergate. Everyone knows Watergate. Jim, any word, yes. anything you want to bring up about Watergate for people that don't know? <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I can't think of Watergate. I, I met, um, it's, I have, I have stories that I can't, I, I don't believe, I don't believe them myself. When I was, when I was in the eighth grade in 1974, I, uh, 
pulled two kids out of getting getting hit by a by a car. We were getting on the school bus, and I wound up. I was a I was a school safety patrol. You know the guys with the badge and the, okay. the little sash. So I wound up getting nominated, and I I got a a, a national life saving award, and I got sent to Washington. I went to the White House in May of 1974, and I met Nixon, and um, he was there. I mean, I didn't meet him. I didn't shake his hand or anything like that. He just it was May of 1974. This was two years after Watergate. And he was in the middle of the impeachment hearings were going on. <laughs> and um, they, they had, they had a luncheon for us in the East room of the white, or not in the East room, in the state dining room of the white house, opposite the East room of the white house. And um, he was getting on a, he was getting on a helicopter to go visit his friend, BB Rebozo in Arizona. So he walked, he walked past and he was really hunched over and just down and walking and his wife was with him and Pat turned to him and said something like, there's kids here. And so all of a sudden he straightened his back up and smiled and waved and gave the, you know, the peace sign thing and then went out the door, <laughs> got on a helicopter and flew. That was my interact. That was my only interaction with Nixon during the Watergate era. But it was like, for one minute, I was 20 feet away from history. <laughs> You know, Robert, I'm trying to think we have like a Forrest Gump like history here with this beginning of this movie. Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh Zellig, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, it's just but that's yeah, that's that's my only Nixon story, but I'll I'll hang on to it and use it as much as I can. <laughs> Great story. That's fantastic. The chicken salad sandwiches, too. I had chicken sandwiches at the White House. That was, that was my excitement. Um, but yeah, me, me, Nixon, and a chicken salad sandwich. That's nice. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, I did not, I did not see that coming. That was very funny. <laughs> what else do you want to know about Watergate? No. <laughs> oh, I do have another. I have another Watergate story. I, I, oh, holy yeah. smokes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the next year, the next year after this, after the Miracle on Ice, okay, 1981, I'm at the, I'm at the Texas Union. It's the student union uh, uh, hall. And they're having, they have a uh, speaker's, you know, like a speaker's uh, seminar. And one of the speakers that they had come was, uh, was G Gordon Liddy. And this is hmm. before he had radio shows or anything like that. It was G Gordon, it was G Gordon Liddy, you know, and you think the guy with the thumb and all this. And um, so I was like, I've got to get some kind of a souvenir from G Gordon Liddy. What can I do? And uh, I talked to, I talked to my friend, Ron, we worked at, anyway, it's a long story about this, but uh, Ron was friends, Ron was, Ron was friends with this guy, Ed Neal. And believe it or not, you know, Ed Neal, if you watched, if you've ever seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I mean, the original Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre, Ed Neal is the guy at the beginning of the movie that's cutting his hand with a razor blade. Oh, Ed oh Neal, wow. Okay. Now, Ed Neal, um, it, it, besides Besides cutting his hand with a razor blade, he was a librarian at the Harry, Ran Harry Ransom Library Center as part of the University of Texas, and he was a massive collector of movie posters. So through my friend Ron, I asked Ed, I said, Ed, do you happen to have a one sheet to all the president's men? And he's like, yeah, five bucks. And so I bought him, I bought uh, 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 all the president's men one sheet from him, and I couldn't get the the place that G. Gordon Liddy was speaking was packed. I was all the way in the back. I couldn't get even in. I was watching it on a, on a TV monitor that they had set up in the lobby. And it was like the, this, the, the whole speech went through and they were doing questions and answers. And he's like, okay, well, thank you very much. Goodbye. Nice meeting y'all. Uh, you know, good luck, Austin. And they were closing down. So everybody's coming out and I'm swimming like a, like a salmon upstream 
with this uh, with this poster over my head. I'm holding it up over my head. And I, and I have a Sharpie in one hand and I have a poster in the other and I'm unfurling it and I'm yelling, Mr. Liddy, Mr. Liddy. And he sees me coming down. He sees me coming down the aisle with this, with the big pictures of Redford and, Hoff, mm. and Dustin Hoffman on the front. And he starts laughing hysterically. And I said, Mr. Mm. Liddy, would you sign my one sheet? <laughs> and so I hand him, I hand him a, a Sharpie <laughs> and he looks at it. And it's at the top of it, the tagline was the greatest investigative story of our time. And he looked at it and he wrote a big capital B. And then he paused and he said, nah, and he wrote baloney exclamation G Gordon Liddy. <laughs> so I haven't I haven't framed it yet. I mm-hmm. still have it in a tube and I've got to get it framed. But I have mm-hmm. a I have G Gordon Liddy's personal review of all the president's men on a poster. <laughs> <laughs> so oh that's uh, amazing that's amazing that's, okay i'm done with my watergate stories what else about it? <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. Rob, we can't follow this this is fantastic no. <laughs> we can't so anyway we move on and we next we get nasa up. jim's probably got stories for that too. <laughs> oh dear well, you're eating apollo 13 so there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i can't talk about that that's that's old news you go to apollo 13 minute that's all, all about that yeah <laughs> Um, then we move on to um I found it funny that we jumped to um we jumped to Pong, which made me laugh because <laughs> that's always the one you make fun of. That's always the game you make fun of about the 70s. And so they say Pong on television. So but it was, the in there. <laughs> it was a big deal to have that at Christmas if you had an Intellivision or if you had um yep. an Atari. Oh my gosh, that was like that was like getting, I mean, I think later on it was like getting cabbage patch kids. I think that was the that would be yeah. the 80s equivalent, but it was like this was the thing if you had a an Intellivision or an Atari or one of those. Um, Magnavox, I think, had the first real Pong game, but being able to twist that knob and play play it on your television, it was it's amazing. Yeah, there are a bunch of people like uh, younger than us were sitting there, like, what? Yeah, now you, yeah, at least me and Robert understand, like, we get it, we get understand yeah. what we're talking about. There are younger people, like, oh, huh? yeah, you're, you're, you're looking at a screen and you can control what's on the screen. Isn't this amazing? You know, <laughs> yeah, my son would be like, state of the hell? Yeah, <laughs> up, down, up, down. Up. Wow. <laughs> oh my god. So, um, anyway, we move on to the next thing we have in Gerald Ford. He became president, obviously, right after Watergate. So I, I wonder, did you ever met Jerry Ford? <laughs> no, I never, never met Jerry Ford. Sorry, I have, yeah. no, I, I can't. I, I'm, I'm letting you down here. I have no Gerald no, Ford story. You're fine. I was just curious because <laughs> you never know. Um, so let me continue on. We get to 1975, where we have um, we have Saigon, which ends up being the U.S. Embassy gets evacuated. Which it's interesting. That's an interesting story. Throw in here. It oh, shows yeah. how the USA US is falling apart. Everything's just kind of falling apart and going negative here. But I love how the next thing is Dick Skill. We go to Dick Skill, which is a weird jump. How do we go from the US Embassy being evacuated to Disco? <laughs> <laughs> Yet another disaster. Yeah. How did we go from those two things in reality either? Jam a comment. Um, hey, you know, I have to say about di- disco. The one thing about disco is that it paid. It paid my early life in college when I was uh, in the seventies. When I was, I was going to Fordham University my first year, and I worked for Radio Shack. And there were a couple of discos. I lived in uh, I lived in Westchester County in New York, and uh, there were a couple of discos in the area. And I had landed a couple of uh, corporate 
uh, sales with them and they bought the biggest speakers that we had. They were like, you know, $300 speakers and I got 10% of that. So, and you know, as a starving college kid, 30 bucks, an extra thing in your, in your weekly paycheck. (laughs) So, um, you know, God bless disco because it, it sold a lot of uh, Radio Shack speakers for me. So. Oh, there you go. And again, people are sitting there and watch the Radio Shack. <laughs> yeah. the last, time, last time I heard Radio Shack reference when they made fun of it on a practical jokers a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. They were good. They were good to me. They 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 kept me oh, in uh, I, in ramen. <laughs> um, and then we go on to um, college streaking, which cracks me up. But the first thing I think of is the scene in the has seventy show. Or they had foreman runs through streaking. That's the first thing I thought of. When I saw that. So I was like, of course. Oh my god! Um, and then something that I like the fact that they put it in here because it's setting up later where they bring up the cone heads. Yeah, which was cool. That's a cool yeah. thing to see. Yeah, it, it's really fun to see old SNL. Actually, <laughs> it's actually really cool to see old SNL like because it's classic. It's so classic, and it doesn't you don't see it that often anymore. But again, this is actually a good. It was like a payoff later. We'll play yeah. off about the cone heads later. <laughs> So then yeah. we get to the bicentennial, which is Jim. You have any bicentennial stories for us? Bicentennial. <laughs> um, I the fourth of July, fourth of July, nineteen seventy six. I was in New York watching the tall ships. I watched the, the wow. tall ships out of out of New York Harbor. That was pretty interesting. I, wow, I saw. Oh, I, I do have. A, I do have a little. I have go a little. Uh, I, I, yeah, I have a little bicentennial story concerning Geraldo Rivera. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I see. I can. I listen. I, yeah, I, I here's here's the story. Here's the story. Okay, for a week, a week before the bicentennial. Now, picture that you know they had the bicentennial. There's things like I know this is before your time, but they had things like the bicentennial minute. On, you know, thank you know, close to our hearts being minuteers here. Um, every <laughs> every night, every night at uh, eight eight twenty five on CBS, 825 Eastern, they would have a thing called the Bicentennial Minute, and they would show you one little piece of history in one minute. It was sponsored by Shell Oil Company, and they'd show you one one thing that happened on that date like 200 years ago. And they finished, the last episode was with Gerald Ford saying, you know, on July 4th, they signed the Declaration of Independence. You can look, it's on YouTube, just type Bicentennial Minute, and you can watch hundreds of these things. They're very interesting. Um, But anyway, this was huge. This was a giant... The bicentennial was one of the biggest marketing opportunities of the '70s. Every you'll see that that star with the with the red and the blue around it. You see it in the, in the opening clip there. But um, uh, everything was bicentennial. This bicentennial, that for a week before uh, that, on every evening news, they were warning about the crowds that were going to be at the tall ships and the crowds that were going to be in Manhattan, the crowds that were going to be in Washington and in Philadelphia, and you got you got to watch out for all these crowds that they're having. And the day, the 4th of July, so many people were worried about the crowds. Nobody showed up. I mean, it was, oh, pretty, man. It was pretty empty. <laughs> if, you, if you went to like Wall Street, you know, it's 4th of July, everything's closed. But nobody was there. And I was, I was down at the Fulton Street Fish Market. And Geraldo Rivera was there with a, with a film crew. And he was going to be interviewing people about the 4th of July. And this guy that had, he had like balloons and flags and stuff and a big shopping cart, you know, like a street vendor thing. He, he started chasing after Geraldo and he said, we could have sold millions and you scared them all away. And he's like screaming and cursing at him and shaking his fist. <laughs> and Geraldo was running down the street with his camera guy and they, they were just booking it 
booking it down uh, mm. by Fulton Street. And I, mm. I just, I, I remember, that's, that's the thing that I remember the most about the Bicentennial was Geraldo Rivera getting yelled at on, uh, on the 4th of July. <laughs> Robert, I'm so glad we said that you said that for these minutes. <laughs> so yeah. We're getting great stories. We're getting fantastic Jim's stories. crazy stories. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I love my, my Bicentennial story is that just I had the uh, the Bicentennial World books that were special red, white, and blue books. Oh, that's cool. what I grew up oh, with. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool, actually. That's really awesome. I had those had- for years, like way too long, really. Yeah, everybody has, you have a Bicentennial quarter. Everybody seems to have the Bicentennial quarters from 76. I probably do somewhere. Probably I know somewhere my dad had it. Yeah. My dad definitely, I know I have it somewhere. I, know, I think I have a quarter book somewhere that my dad put together for me. I think it's yeah, in the attic. I just yeah. gotta find it. Yeah, it, it, on there it has the little bicentennial star on their thing. The, the uh, NASA NASA didn't have much of a budget at the time, but they spent a lot of their money on paint to put on the side of the vehicle assembly building. They put a they put the bicentennial symbol up in the corner wow. of, the, of the VAB. And, I, uh, I know my I know my mom had my mom had photo albums everywhere, so like she had photo albums for everything. She had two photo albums just for bicentennial day. So she obviously <laughs> I didn't, I, so she had like she went to a bicentennial day, got two full photo albums from that one oh, day. Wow. So. <laughs> So that, that's pretty cool. Like that's one of the rare things you had multiple albums for. So, wow. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Um, you move on to '77, which we had Jimmy Carter, which yeah. we all know Jimmy Carter, yeah. and then we have the gas story that we comes up in this movie a lot, and then we had Elvis dying. And I, I, I you know, it's always funny. We always joke. I, I met in black. Always joke about Elvis. Men in Black just went Elvis. He didn't die. He went home, which is one of my favorite lines from that movie. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite lines from Men in Black. But he was only 42, which is so crazy yeah. when you think about yeah. that. It's bizarre. Um, so I will ask any Elvis stories we have here, Jim. Elvis, <laughs> I, 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 was in the, uh, I was in the Overlander Saloon in uh, Heliotis, <laughs> Heliotis, Texas with my friend Marshall. Uh, I was visiting him in, uh, in San Antonio. We went out to Heliotis and we heard I'm sorry. I have these stories. I have, I have so many stories. Ahead, of these stupid things. Ahead, That's great. Ahead, so no, we're enjoying it. <laughs> so I was in Heliotis, Texas, which is on the outskirts of, uh, of San Antonio. We were at the Overlander Saloon where they had, it's famous for their chili. And there's also a speed trap there. But we go into this place. We just heard that Elvis had died on the radio. And we go into this place and there is a jukebox playing Love Me Tender. Uh, and this whole, you know, it's this old, it's an old saloon and been there for like a hundred years and they have like uh, you know mounted elk on the walls and buffaloes and things like that. And we sit down and uh, uh, the waitress comes out and says, what, what can I get y'all? And, and uh, he said, we'll have, we'll have chili. We, you know, your chili's famous. And so he said, okay. And, and uh, there was a picture of Elvis on the wall. And uh, my friend Marshall said, you must've loved Elvis very much. And so she said, oh, I'm his biggest fan. And so my friend Marshall said, oh, you didn't hear. And she said, what? And he oh, said, no. he died this morning. And she said, that's a terrible thing to say. He goes, no, it's on the radio. Go, it's on the radio. And so she went behind the counter and there was a radio on the shelf and she turned it on. And, and just as she turned it on, there was this big, deep, like Casey Kasem kind of voice, another eulogy to Elvis in just a moment. And she just went in the back and started crying and screaming. And the cook was there and she's, ah! And she she wow. came out she came out later sobbing and she goes here's your chili and she puts it down and it was the hottest chili I've ever had in my life but yeah wow. I was like I was like Marshall why did you why did you have to break the news to this woman 
but that was you that's broke my her own. heart. Like wow, that's, you broke her heart. <laughs> that, that's my own, that's my only Elvis story. That's that's uh, still wow. And by the uh, way, don't, don't apologize. We're, we're, no, enjoying I, <laughs> we're really enjoying ourselves here. <laughs> Never apologize for having stories. You know? uh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, seventy seven. I you know I I know Elvis Elvis died, but that they skipped over Star Wars. Star Wars was uh, yeah. Was, and what's funny is Disney didn't own Star Wars yet. It would, Disney yeah. did. It would be in here. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why you know. I, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. it would be in here. <laughs> so no, I I thought about that actually. I was like, wait, Star Wars, but but it, it didn't even own it yet. So that's yeah. why. <laughs> so then we go through 1978, and then we go right to 79, which is where we start our movie. But I do like the fact that it's a crisis of conscience. It's a crisis that strikes the heart of the very heart and soul of, of the spirit of our nation, and that's where we start our movie. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that they ended the credit sequence like that because it really sets the tone for what yeah. we're getting into with this yeah, movie. Yeah, it's like the Billy Joel song, really. It just <laughs> rolls rolls right on through it, you know, listing everything everything that gets you caught up. And uh, and here you are on a cold winter day, and uh, you know you're looking at yet another another gas crisis. I mean, they had the one in '73 and then '70 '78 '79 one. I remember that. I remember driving around. I had gotten out of work at Radio Shack and. I was looking at my, I had, a, I had an old Dodge Dart and I, I looked at my gas. I was like, I got to go get gas. And I was driving past all these gas stations and they were closed. And they're never, you know, like the 24 hour gas stations. And I was like, why are they closed? And I got home. And I had like, you know, just barely, you know, less than an eighth of a tank. And I spent most of the rest of the day looking for a place to buy mm-hmm. gas. And it was, wow. you know, it was bad. And then they had the thing where they had on your license plate, whatever the last number was, if it was odd, you'd go on an odd number day of the month. And if it was even, you go on an even number day of the month just to separate people out. That's, would... that's crazy. Like, that's yeah. absolutely crazy to me. Like, wow. <laughs> I love that they include the gas thing subtly in the movie later, too. They have a whole conversation yeah. while in line yeah. for gas. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, it, it's, just, it's perfect for the time. You know, yeah. like, this is something where everyone's dealing with. So we'll do a scene here. It's an important, it's kind of an important scene later too. Mm-hmm. It's an yeah. important conversation that happens, but it's in the middle of this background, background, something bad happening in the States. So yeah. And, and, and more, yeah, I mean, the, the thing that really kicks it off is that it affected everybody in America. I mean, like, like the way that this, this game, the, the game affected everybody in America, but this thing, anybody you knew, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, like, like we're just at the time we're recording this, we're getting over a hurricane and there's people in Louisiana and then there's people on the, in the East coast that have had flooding and things like that. But it's not, you know, like people out West didn't know they're dealing yeah. with fire. It's not right. everybody, but this, this hit everybody. So everybody knew what it was like to worry about how am I going to get gas to go to work tomorrow? Or how am I going to be able to get here or there? What if I, you know, well, what if I can't? Well, it's almost like what we've been dealing with for the last like, year or so with COVID where it yeah. affected mm-hmm. everybody. We're yeah. affected. Everybody. Exactly. Exactly. You know? This is, this is the thing. And you think, yeah, you know, and it, I mean, like now you say to yourself, this shouldn't be happening in the 21st century. Well, back then you say it's 1979. Why this shouldn't be happening? We're, you know, we're, <laughs> we're not living in a cave. It's, you know, <laughs> so, it, you know, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's funny how these things are going in cycles, but, you know, it, it's something that everybody can relate to no matter how far back it was. These are people are people. Yeah, that's very, very true. All right, so we do get into the movie. We are now in 1979. We're in Colorado Springs. We're at the Amateur Hockey Association of the United States. But by the way, this building is still here. They still do everything here. It, it modernized, obviously, but this building is still here. They still do this in Colorado. So I, that, that's pretty cool. So I was like, that's awesome to know. And um, we we finally do meet our tonight. We're going to be following for the rest of the movie, Mr. Herb Brooks. And Kurt Russell himself 
I thought his his him in this movie was fantastic. Like I thought he did a fantastic job. From what people said, because apparently her book stopped dating, he was impressed by the accuracy <laughs> of the character. So I, I know Jim, you were messaging me when we were talking about his accent that was bothering your accent. His accent yeah, bothering, I, so I'll I, I know it. It didn't. It didn't bother. It didn't bother Herb. So I'd say if it doesn't bother him, then then I'm okay with that. What what was <laughs> really what was really bothersome were the uh, the boss the the Boston accents on the uh, hockey players themselves. My oh, yeah. wife <laughs> my wife is from Watertown, just outside of Boston. And it's, for her, it's like nails on blackboards. It's just like, oh my gosh, I can't take it. <laughs> and it's, you know, there's some that do it mild and some that do it. I mean, like, you know, of people that know how to do a Boston accent, it would be Matt Damon and Ben Affleck know how to do yes. Boston accent because they were there. They just, yeah. they just turn it up. They, they came it down to like a two or a one. And then when they're doing Boston movies, they just crank it up to 11. But these guys were at, you know, 15 or 17. It was just, it was real, uh, and it, uh, my wife points out like what parts of a Boston action accent people don't do right, and mostly it's trying to do the, the the uh, the long a that 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 extended short a that the habit yad thing, which is like a Kennedy accent, not a really a Boston accent. Um, but my my wife said that uh, nobody talks like the Kennedys, nobody in Boston talks like the Kennedys. <laughs> did. So it's um. It, it's very subtle and what you have to do is put a y in the middle of everything and i, I can't oh. i can't do it if, you, if you're saying an a you put a y in the middle of it so it's, I, I, it, it, you kind of move the back of your three you like where your tonsils are you got to move that up and down i cannot do it so i, I will not <laughs> attempt to uh demonstrate i'll have to keep an ear off for that later on in the movie where i start hearing all the watson players talking more <laughs> so yeah. to that. <laughs> Um, so I, I went to the IMDb. I wanted to see. I wanted to see on the IMDb what gets listed as the top movies for somebody because, especially for him, like Russell, that's everywhere. That did a that does yeah. a lot. He's a lot of movies. I'm curious. I wanted to know what was going to be. His top and he's four. been doing movies for so long too. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was very random. The four movies <laughs> came up. So Robert, I like you. I love you as a movie guy. You know all these movies. So I'm just curious if you how much you know these. We have the four that was on IMDb. Um, he was in the Hateful Eight, yeah. Escape from LA. Expected yeah. decision and Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> which is hysterical. That was in the top four on IMDb. So made money. So it did. And also, by the way, most recently he is in the Christmas Chronicles, which he was fan fantastic as Santa Claus. The Christmas Chronicles. I, I really enjoyed that movie a lot. It's hokey and dumb, but I love it. <laughs> hokey and stupid. It's my son loved movie. it. Too. It's supposed to be hokey and dumb. And my son loved it, so that makes a big deal to me. You know, my son doesn't like that kind of stuff, but he loves it. I said Christmas Chronicles. You like that movie? That's all. So, anyway, so that would be Kurt Russell. Let's get into the Herb Brooks, though. And so, Herb Brooks. I, I wanted to do my research on Herb Brooks. And he, they bring up that he is an NCAA champion. I was just curious about that. So, Minnesota Golden Gophers, he did win three NCAA championships, 74, 76, and 79. And he also lost the championship game at 75. That's a great run for any coach. Huh. <laughs> That's a phenomenal run. <laughs> I don't care who, who you are and what you do. You know, like... <laughs> To do that before this, he did do a whole bunch of stuff like NHL stuff that he never actually won a championship in the NHL, which is weird. So, like, it's crazy. He even coached my Devils at one time. So, like, wow. he was all over the place. So, that's a big deal. So, we get, we actually do get into our meeting, which I do love this meeting because it's so like what I would see a USA hockey meeting being like. Especially at this time. Like, it's not, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to win. They don't know what's going on. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. I, my funny thing with this meeting is as soon as I saw like the other actors in small parts in this room, I'm like, they filmed this in Vancouver, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that guy was on the X-Files. That guy was yeah. on the X-Files. That guy was on Highlander uh, and the X-Files. <laughs> yeah, it was open, open casting. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's very, very funny. Um, so he actually starts talking about the changing of the schedule and everything else. We more obviously get more into it as the movie continues. But he talks about Team USA and the history of hockey going into the 1980 Olympics. And it gets brought up here, but it really just rushed through. But I looked into it. And obviously, 1960, Team USA won the gold. They bring that up later on. But after that, I, I never realized just how ridiculous it is. 64, they finished fifth. 68, they finished sixth. 72, they lose to, to um, the Soviets in the fight in the gold medal game. So fine, they get silver. And then the 76 games, which is what they're talking about here, yeah. is they, if they finish in fifth <laughs> and they lost to the Soviets, they lost to the Germans, and they lost to the Czech Republic. 72, 4 to 1, and 5 nothing. Huh. Oh. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. And by the way, I, lo- I actually was able to find because I was looking kind of figure out the scores of the games, and I actually found old school like game cards that somebody put up online with like old school numbers that had to like translate what was going. Luckily, I know how to read like old school hockey game cards, but it was really <laughs> interesting to go through this. Like it was really cool because it wasn't like typed up at all; it was still written in ink and all that stuff. That was really cool. <laughs> like I, 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 re- I remember yeah. the, the the seventy six games. I remember it was. Yeah, it was such a disappointment that they just kind of like, uh, let's on ABC's Wide World Sports. Like, well, let's just focus on figure skating. <laughs> we don't have to worry about hockey. We're going to go Winter Olympics. We're going to talk. That's why Dorothy Hamill became so so popular and so successful oh, because she yeah. she brought home the gold. So it's like let's talk let's talk all about Dorothy Hamill and forget about the hockey part. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's a, the it, you can always tell when when they were having a bad year when it was all figure skating. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, the funny part is now with um, I'm not sure how Peacock's gonna be doing the schedule. I know all the all the hockey games are gonna be on Peacock, Peacock, so that NBC can concentrate on other things. So yeah. <laughs> I know they're gonna do that. But trust me, I'm gonna be watching Peacock and watching all the hockey games. So <laughs> <laughs> I know myself, I will be doing that because I have Peacock because of WWE. So I'll be definitely watching all the hockey. <laughs> yeah, well, but yeah, back in the day, you didn't get that kind of choice. It's like you're gonna watch what exactly. ABC wants you to watch, and that's it. Exactly. So. Um, and then also they bring up the um, NHL, NHL Challenge Cup Series that is happening now, which I actually didn't know about. I actually saw a documentary about this on um, an NHL Network one time. They talked about this because leading into the Canada Cup that Team Canada and Soviets had. And um, this is an interesting series because it's a rare occasion the Soviets lost a game, but they still won the series. Because <laughs> um, the NHL won the first game 42 and then lost the last two, five, four, six, nothing. To lose the series of the Soviets. Wow. <laughs> not good. No, absolutely not. And of course, they bring up the Soviets. The Soviets won 19, 1954, 1964, 1916, 1972, 1976 gold medals, hmm. wow. which is insane for a team in hockey in the Olympics. So, and like they say later, a bunch of those players were on that team every one of those times, too. Yeah, because it's funny because um, and there was a I think it's a thirty for thirty or an NHL. I forgot. I watched a lot of hockey documentaries. I'm not sure which one this was, but they talk about the um Canada Canada Soviet Challenge Cup, and it's all the players that are on the 1980 team. 
Like, mm-hmm. everybody's there. Like, it's hysterical. Like, this is so weird. It's like, what? Shouldn't they not be on the scene? But of course, it's Soviet Russia. So they have everybody still here. So <laughs> this is how it is. So um, anyone, if any have any other comments on this meeting? Because this meeting is interesting, but there's just a lot of just like setting up what's going to be coming up. Yeah, I think it's one of those, it's it's a great bit of subtle exposition. I mean, like like we saw the history lesson, but this is, here's the stakes, here's what's here's what's wrong, here's what Kurt Russell has to fix. And, yeah. you know, this this is where, that's the direction for the rest of them. It's kind of like uh, Citizen Kane, the uh, news on the march, is telling you where, <laughs> where things are. Exactly. And I, I was trying to find the game where he said, our Olympic team lost to the Czech B team, I think 15 to 1. I could not find that game. I really <laughs> wanted to find it. <laughs> Find like, one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's ridiculous. Like I have seen <laughs> bad games. I was in person for a doubles game when the doubles went eight to one, but never 15. Like I've never I've never been to a game that went to 10 doubles <laughs> ever. <laughs> and I've been to many hockey games and I've never seen that. <laughs> so I don't think I've been many any Olympic games. I think yeah, I think I think maybe in the world juniors. When Canada decides, we feel like we feel like scoring twenty goals against Latvia. That's the only time yeah. I ever see a score like that. Yeah, when your <laughs> hockey game sounds like a baseball game. <laughs> yeah, it's called Team Canada in the World Juniors. Yeah. Uh, Ouch. <laughs> yeah. It, so anyone that's ever watched the World Juniors understands that if if you don't even bother to watch Canada games once they're playing Team USA, because it's just going to be a lopsided game in the first round <laughs> of the World Juniors. <laughs> no point at all. Oh man, so. Herb, Herb brings up here that that the whole NHL offering doesn't work because they don't play the team, they play as individuals, which I like. I like it's yeah. smart. It's smart thinking, and it's very, very Herb, actually. It's very, very him. Well, it's one of the, I mean, it's one of those obvious things. When you look at it, it's this, it seems obvious after someone's pointed it out to you, but nobody, you know, it, it sounded like they were all working with blinders on saying, no, we got to get the best guys, the best guys that, you know, how to, you know, and, uh, and just not, not getting the whole idea that you, you're, you're trying to win as a team. Um, it's fascinating how obvious it was, but nobody had bothered to fix that in the history of, uh, of USA hockey. Yeah, it's very true. But I do love at the end of this meeting, they, it's almost like he says that. And then everyone's like, oh, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say now. <laughs> and it's the awkward, like, I'm going to leave and no one wants to shake my hand. And like, it's so awkward how this meeting ends. <laughs> but it's very true to form, though. It's very true to form. It's like, as you said, Jim, it's like they had blinders on. And now, oh, he brought something up that, we never thought about it before. <laughs> it's an interesting messaging thing too, because like I hadn't seen this movie before and it feels kind of like coming out when it did a few years after 9-11, it's like propaganda, but it's also talking about how usually America is very individualistic and this is, he's going sort of the opposite, which is nice. But then at the same time, it's very pro-America and very focused on him as a character and his individual ability to manipulate them into being a team so it's kind of a mixed messaging but i like that part of it that's true that's a good point well, they do have the later on in the movie and i actually it gave me chills seeing in the theater when they showed the trace centers oh, later that, on in the movie that gave me bad chills because i i'm like um uh, what's the the play, what's the arena called 
No, oh, Madison Square Garden. Madison, Madison Square, Square Garden. Gardens. I almost said Marvin Gardens. I'm like, that's a different yeah. place. Madison Square Garden is nowhere near the World Trade Center. I'm like, oh man. Oh no, no, so no, on no, the nose. I understand it. I'm like, I understand oh my why God. they did it though. <laughs> I know why they did it though. I, I get why they did it. Like they did the same thing. They did the same thing. I did the same thing. I forgot what movie it was. I forgot what movie they did it for. But in this movie, I remember in the movie theater, a lot of people were like, oh. And then we just get right back into the game. Because it was a reaction. I'm in New Jersey. See that I live in New Jersey. So like yeah. It was a different reaction than New Jersey people to see the train center again because it had been a while. So like it had been three almost three years. So like yeah. so we um we cut back to Minnesota. We're in St. Paul, Minnesota, here in Herb's home, and he sees his wife, the the lovely Patricia Clarkson, who did a fantastic job as his wife in this, <laughs> who puts up with so much. She's like the perfect wife in this movie because she puts up in so much of him. <laughs> um, IMDb, she's listed as your top thing from the station agent, The Green Mile, which I, I love that movie. I love the movie Green Mile so much. Far From Heaven and Shutter Island, but most recently, of course, in House of Cards. Hmm. And um, Robert, anything else you bring up from her? Because I know you are with... The actress, actresses. Uh, no, she's usually great. She even um, one movie I kind of hate. She's one of the best parts. Uh, Pieces of April. I watched that in my blog for a week around Thanksgiving, and that movie has so many structural problems and character problems. And she is great as like the mother, which she she puts a lot into a character. And it's true, even it's though true. she she's actually only in this movie in a handful of scenes, like maybe five scenes in the whole movie. But each one, it's like she's doing great with what. Yeah, she's and doing. she's important, and she's important in the scenes. She really yeah. is important. Uh, there, there isn't too. necessarily much to the character, but she makes it feel like there is. Exactly, it's very, very true. Um, so I, I love this whole conversation because he just gets home, and suddenly he has him dressing up for a costume party. <laughs> like, what is going on here? This is such a weird, weird thing to jump into. Um. The outfit's funny, but it's one of those. My wife wants to do something. I'm going to make her happy, so I'm going to dress up <laughs> for this party. <laughs> this party is hysterical. Like this is such a ridiculous party. <laughs> oh my god, it's so random and so funny that this is what this is what we just spent a couple minutes on just because we're here. You know, <laughs> there's no sense. Um, so we finally get the phone call and. I like the fact that, that people are in this house now. Pick, like, okay, can you answer the phone for me? That's not yeah. something that happens in this house anymore. Then again, no one answered their landline anymore in this house. So that would be why. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we find out it's from the US, USOC down in Colorado. And I love the fact that we jumped to Herb playing hockey. Yeah. <laughs> On uh, one of the on the uh, tabletop hockey, I'm guessing this is with his son. Um, they never really explained who this is. <laughs> Can they ever explain it? I assume it's his son. <laughs> I assumed it was his son. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I do love this because it's such an old school version of the game everyone knows now. Like, I had I this game. You yeah. did. Okay. I had this hockey game. I got to tell you what happened when we were we were watching this scene. And my, my wife, you know, you spend half your life collecting things and half your life trying to get rid of the things you collected. <laughs> uh, so we're going through, we're going through boxes of stuff that were up in our attic and things like that and closets and stuff. And I was, I had a box and my wife was going through all these things and she picks up this little, this little round object. And she says, what's this? And I said, that is a 
hockey puck from an NHL hockey game. I said, you see the little hex? I said, you put it in, <laughs> you put it in a little machine at the top and it goes dig, 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 and then it drops and then you, you know, twist the knobs. And she said, how would you know that? I said, because I, I played with it every day. I know, you know, I, I know what that was. And, we're, and so later that night, we sit down, you, you wanted me to watch the movie and we turned, we turned it on. And I said, there, that's the thing that you found in the box. <laughs> I, I can't, yeah. She said, can't get away from this. So yeah, that's, <laughs> it was just of all the little, you know, knickknacks in the house, finding, finding a, and that's the only thing I have left from that hockey game. It's the little puck, which is usually the first thing that you lose. That so, is funny, actually. That is yeah. very funny. That's a big sign. Um, I, I, by the way, I have the caption on on my screen here and it says, boy. Doesn't even say like, it just says, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, apparently Herb's losing eight nothing, which cracks me up in this game. <laughs> I mean, I know the uh, we play air hockey. The, the kid's small to... hands probably make it easier for him to play this. Actually, very true. Actually, very, very small. True. The controls. Yeah, so uh, it's very true. Oh, I really do hope it's his son. The fact that he's talking stacks of the kids, I really hope that it's his son. For <laughs> 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 being honest, um, so we find out he has he got the job. He got the job. Obviously, we knew that was going to happen. That's kind of those the duh. We knew that was happening. But I like the fact that they made him wait. They didn't just give it to him. They had to think about it. And um, he got the job, and he's got to have to start soon in the middle of summer. And I love the line, is there even ice? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great line. It's so ridiculous, but so funny. Um, and then we find out that they actually have, like, parentolers and responsibilities. The fact that they have to, like, get, um, get the kids to different places. We find all that out later on, especially. Like, there's so much going on in this, in this family's life in the summer when usually school's out if they have a whole bunch of stuff going on. <laughs> um, I, I do like the fact that her, that her daughter yells, See, Patrick, I want to say goodbye to you. <laughs> <laughs> The guy that's up in dress is Cleopatra, and I'm up in name Cleopatra. <laughs> oh man! So we get we, we get a call, Craig Patrick, and Craig Patrick is the name I know. I do know the name Craig Patrick because he was the general manager of the Hickford Penguins from 1989 to 2006. So <laughs> I know him really well as a diehard hockey guy. So he actually won two Stanley Cups as the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. In 91-92, the last team before the current Tampa Bay Lightning to win back-to-back Stanley Cups. So um, that's actually pretty cool. Um, I did a little Richard on Craig Patrick, besides being a GM. He did play in the NHL for um, eight seasons. He played for the defunct um, California Golden Seals team I forgot existed. Um, The St. Louis Blues, the Kansas City Scouts, who are now the New Jersey Devils, and the Washington Capitals. So he is a hockey hall of famer in 2001. So that is the that is the load on, on Craig Patrick, the player. In fact, yeah, we're going to be following along in this story for the rest of the time we're here. <laughs> so as you can tell, I'm definitely the hockey guy of the three of us because I knew I knew Craig Patrick immediately. I didn't know the actual playing stuff, but I knew he was a GM because my one of my my best friend in Jersey's brother was a diehard Pittsburgh Penguins fan. So I I was- knew all this stuff. Was he ever, was he a relation to Lester Patrick? You know, the Patrick division? Yes. Um, yeah. It, okay. It, 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 hockey's a weird sport where everyone's related to somebody at some time. Like, yeah. that's, 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 the only, that's the only associate, that's the only association I have with the name Patrick. I, was like, I remember there was a guy named Lester Patrick and they named the Patrick division after him. And he was like the, 
he was the coach of one of the teams. I forget which, probably the Rangers or something, or the Islanders or one of those. But uh, yeah, Lester Patrick was the only. Yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not a hockey I, I mean I, I've been to hockey games but I'm not a hockey guy I don't know a lot of the stats and yeah, and I, you uh-huh. if you a true hockey person would know every name and every my wife is pretty pretty big on hockey she can she can you probably should have had her on the show she's better oh. she's better at this I am she she used to um she used to go to the uh Boston Garden and um oh nice know, and she, you know, be yelling. she had, she has a, somewhere in our house in one of those boxes that we're trying to clean out. She's got a, a, a picture of a Bobby or, you know, the famous one where he's upside down. Oh, nice. Nice. Sign, cool. sign on that. Very, very cool. Yeah. I, 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 obviously I grew up in New Jersey, so I'm a diehard Devils fan. And like my dad would take me to games all the time. So like, I do have some historical games in my history. Like I was in the arena when Marty Berdour, the goaltender scored a goal in a playoff game. I was there, huh. which was an wow. awesome moment. I call that one of my rare hug a stranger moments where you hug strangers <laughs> around you because yeah. it was just one of those, what just happened? <laughs> what just happened? Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. Did that just happen? <laughs> so <laughs> I always joke that that's the hug a stranger moment in my, one of those, those in my lifetime. So <laughs> my, my entire history with hockey is I attended a celebrity hockey game once. Really? Which, which, <laughs> where, where though? Where was it? It, it was in uh, at the LA um, Forum. Oh, it cool. was okay. uh, it was organized well or involved like Mark and Brian like radio DJs and and I listened to their show at the time so we went and it was them versus a bunch of like professional guys I know um was named Luke Robitai was in there and yeah I remember I remember those the, games the, those, games those three yeah. the three guys from Slapshot were there oh, oh yeah 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 okay yeah and, yeah I remember those happening yeah. and I'm like mm-hmm. I've never seen Slapshot but okay you tell me they're famous <laughs> I'll believe you <laughs> well, they're, they're famous in the the hockey movie generation <laughs> yeah 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 for for purposes of that event they were famous yeah exactly <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> um so we jumped to the um I, I like the fact that they this is actually legitimately what happened and I, I looked this up and this is legitimately what happened they based it on a real training event that they did to get the, everyone together in one place. Mm. And um, I, it's actually, I listened during the pandemic, I got into Audible and listened to a lot of books. And I actually listened, knowing I was going to do this podcast in the next like year or so, I listened to a few books by uh, players mm. that were about this time. So I actually did a little extra research before I even planned to do the show. <laughs> and they talk about this whole tryout with Weird because they did this entire tryout like we see it, but they didn't matter because Herb had the team right. Like it didn't yeah. matter. <laughs> it's a ridiculous thing, but it works so well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was I was thinking when I was watching that part, it was like uh, it was like the Dirty Dozen. That, that that's that's. I was trying to think of what kind of a film this is like, and the closest thing I could think of is it's like a caper film. It really has the elements of a caper film because you're you're putting the squad together, you're figuring out you know how to go up against the big bad at the end. And in the meantime, you have to fight the powers that be to get the team that you want in the way that you want it. And it's, you know, Lee Marvin could have walked, could have walked in the door and told them how to do this. And um, the, so many of the parts in the different decade would have been played by Don Rickles and, you know, and Telly Savalas. I mean, you know, I, I just kept thinking this is a, it's it's, you know, caper movie on ice. When the guy hurts his knee, it's just when the when their plan just goes wrong. Yeah. They yeah. Re, re, regroup. Yeah, something new. Yeah, you can see the assistant coach being Richard Jekyll. <laughs> it works. It all works. Uh, um, so I, I messaged um, Tyranny Seal Callahan, who's coming out later in the season, about this movie. And she literally goes and says, 
are they going to – the quote from this scene, she goes and says, is there going to be a lot of guys from Minnesota and Boston? <laughs> <laughs> I cracked up and got in the email. I'm like, you know the movie. You know yeah. this movie. <laughs> so shout out to her. You'll hear from her later in the season. She won't be here. <laughs> yeah. on in the season. And but, Tierney, uh, Tierney could probably explain the Boston action better, too. So. <laughs> Tierney's my good luck charm when it comes to these hockey movies, too, by the way. So this is her fourth movie with me. So I feel like my good luck charm. So I'll talk to her, though, when we get there. Um, we do have all these tracks. I didn't really take a lot of notes on the tryouts because, like I said, they really don't matter. Like, it's the, one of the weirdest scenes that doesn't matter. Like, they spend so much time on this introducing it to the players. But even then later, we're going to be introduced better. So, like, <laughs> this whole sequence is weird. Robert, how did you feel about I, I thought the, the one, well, the one thing that I think they could have done better is if they had lighting a little bit. Uh, I mean, I understand that you're under mercury vapor lamps and it's kind of a flat lighting, but to yeah. me, it hit, it hit me as very TV movie-ish that they didn't really change the lighting. It looked like they lit the scene and then just stuck actors in there and then didn't change it based on where they were standing. Yeah, I, a little bit. And then also it feels like some of like the hockey players aren't necessarily actors. So it, they're not, they're actually, it, most it of them comes, are not. Yeah. Right. Most it of comes aren't. across mm. as less of a big movie, but this was a big movie. Yeah, it was. yeah, but I, I was, yeah, I was, I was frankly surprised at the way that they they did the single, you know, like they did a master shot, mm-hmm. and then all the all the close ups and the and the you know the 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 the, the two sets the, the two shots, they were all the same lighting, and it was like it just kind of very flat, very TV ish uh, look to it. I was I was yeah. just kind of surprised for a Disney for a Disney company film. Usually, you know, if you watch something <laughs> to go with another Kurt Russell movie from. Uh, you know, 30 years before, if you think of something like follow me boys or my side of the mountain or things like that. I, like, I wonder if it was a deliberate choice to make it feel more like 1980. Yeah. Or documentary style, maybe yeah. that it was more of a, that, that could be, yeah, that could be. Cause they I also just, have some long group shots, especially during yeah. like, the tryout section where you're just, well, I know that I know, I know on the commentary track, they explained like they brought in real hockey players, obviously to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And they said it, it's easier to train hockey players to act and act, have actors learn how to play hockey, which yeah. makes sense. But yeah. the whole thing is here, they wanted, the reason they were zooming out, they wanted to prove to you that the people you're seeing are the ones playing. Yeah. They wanted well, to And they brought it. in, yeah. I forget the name, but they brought in some sports people to help them film it. Yeah. yeah to figure out how to film yeah, the plays, Yeah. Yeah. Like Al Michaels yeah. is part of this, right? Yeah. He, uh, yeah. You'll see him later. And he actually, everything is for Al Michaels later in the movie is new for the movie, except for obviously <laughs> the call, for the, yeah. the call, but everything else is new. He did, huh. he actually sat and they watched the game, then he recorded new commentary for everything you see later on, except for the actual main call. Yeah. Huh. And some of the, <laughs> some of the flatness of the lighting could be to match exist. I mean, they did use some existing footage from the time, contemporary footage, especially when they're doing like TV shots. Yeah. Um, so that maybe could just, be, yeah. just to do matching, but uh, yeah, it was just kind of a surprise at the, at the choices that the cinematographer made. Yeah. But it, but it works though, because it's consistent. Yeah. At least it's consistent and it works yeah. with everything else going on. So it's not like it changes immediately after a scene like this. So yeah. that's a news important. So um, I, I do like though, the one though I do have is that they point out my Garuzioni who turns out to be the captain of this team. <laughs> and they said, this kid hasn't have a shot in hell of making this team. Which I do <laughs> like that line. Because it's such like he's set up to later. And it's true. And Mike Rosen talked about it in his book that say that he wasn't supposed to be on this team. He didn't even expect to be on the team himself. He didn't expect it. Yeah, so it's, it's the world's longest Gilligan cut. That's <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes so, later, he won the game. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, he, he won the game. He's the hero. Yeah. He's the person everyone knows. And now he's yeah. the person that 
you want to get his book, pay 20 bucks to meet him. <laughs> <laughs> On top of the book price. <laughs> so sort of like, by the way, the shot of like Jim Craig, they purposely did that long shot to show his him playing. We're going to zoom in. He's going to take his mask off and he's the same guy. He's the same guy doing both on purpose. We're going to prove that. Even though we do, I only have a different goaltender in the game. I don't remember off the top of my head. I'll remember later when we get there. I have a different goaltender in that for like the major, major, major stuff. But for like the stuff like this, they're just proving he's really playing. We're really going to do this. So uh, it's a lot like um, in Rent, where I know on the commentary track, they said a lot of times they literally would zoom it out on the dancing because it's proved they're doing the dancing for real. We're not faking this. So it's the same thing here. It's the same thing here. We're not faking it. We're, we're doing this for real. <laughs> um, so we zoom out up to Herb. I love this whole setup that we never see again for the rest of the movie. <laughs> up on like Mount High because we're watching them play. <laughs> we never see this again. Like I wish we went back to this later on. Like this would be like his office area or something like that. I wish we went back to this. Because <laughs> I love this setup that we did for one scene for like two minutes. Like we don't do anymore. <laughs> Here. <sighs> so, Ted. Sorry. I thought someone was going to say something. That's fine. Um, so, Craig Patrick walks in, and that is um, Noah Emmerich. And yeah. I know him best from the, from the Truman Show, which is one of my, I love Truman yeah. Show so much. It's a, I, I want someone to cover that movie just so I can guest on it. <laughs> it <would be> so much. <laughs> uh, anyone listening, I'm doing the Truman Show. I'm not doing it, but someone else do it. Please, I'll jump out of the guest. <laughs> but anyway, also on the um, IMDb page, he came up in The Americans. The Americans, yeah. Yes, The Walking Dead, apparently. The Walking Dead. Well, he, did. He, was, he was the guy that discovered the, uh, the yeah, germ. The that- CDC. Yeah, well, exactly. He was great, and he had to. He wound up killing his wife, and yeah, mm-hmm. just quite a. Sorry if, yeah, if if nobody's seen it and they're binging Some it now. I apologize in advance. Sorry. One. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I never yeah. watched. No, I never watched Walking Dead, and I never planned on it. So you're good. <laughs> you're good. Um, I, I usually he yeah. he is like a uh, man most likely to be confused with Clancy Brown. Every time I see him, it's like is that Clancy? Oh, it's No Emmerich. Oh, it's Clancy <laughs> Brown. It's like I keep you know put your hand up on that wall, soldier. <laughs> just. I see him and I think Clancy Brown. It's like no, they could play brothers, I think, but it's just uh, yeah. he's he's my he's the wish.com version of uh <laughs> <laughs> Although I love now listen, I love Noah Emmerich. I think he's great, but it's just yeah. like um so also he was in Little Children. Um and also he was recently yeah. in Space Force. Yes. So throw that out there. Um so we 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 get here and we start talking about how Herb already made the team. And this is the first time we hear about it. And I like the fact that he's just like, I know this, I know what I wanted to do. And I also like the fact that he didn't even start his old goaltender. Like he was so set, set on his team that he started the goalie. Like, sure, okay. That makes sense to me. You know what you're doing, obviously. Um, and I do like the fact that we have that whole conversation in the meeting about how the, the, it's not about the best players and about this. And Craig brings the same thing up. You're leaving out all the best players some of the best players, which is not what he's trying to do. Yeah. So I like that. I think it's, it's almost like why, and it's almost part of the problem with like athletes in the Olympic games. The fact you don't have this anymore. You don't have this kind of a thing anymore where you have the team put together like this, where you're doing it on purpose, where now it's all, all the Olympic guys, for instance, the NHL in the Olympic games. Again, as people are the show, and she's back in the Olympics. And as a hockey fan, I'm ecstatic. I'm happy. But at the same time, 
Um, and also because the last Olympic game is a disaster because there was no NHL here, but they had the KHL players, and then that how how the um Russian the Russian Federation that's not really Team Russia because they can't beat Team Russia. Yeah. <laughs> that's how they ended up yeah. winning the gold medal because they had KHL players. So that's how that happened. So the NHL was kind of embarrassed by that one <laughs> happening, especially because one of the best players in the world was in the KHL that year, and he ended up on the Russian team. That's how Russia won the gold medal in the last Olympics. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was a bizarre situation. That's the same guy that screwed the Devils out of a, and the holiday, but I'm not getting that. Trust me. <laughs> I, the Devils fan, I'm not getting into that. That's a whole I, other I rant. Like, yeah. That's I'm a- not getting into that. It's just me. It's, I can get into that. I'm not that so I like the fact that we, I actually like how they read off the names because it, it's like, it's almost like being picked by picked like old school, like you're picking team, like you're making you're picking teams out of playground. Like, <laughs> I like this. It's so cool how they did this. It's weird though that all the players at Herb's team just happened to be here today. Like <laughs> they were doing this for a week, but everyone just happened to be here today. <laughs> Surprise! Weird coincidence how that happened. Um, so that's pretty cool. I do like this, but then we have Herb's speech saying how. I'll be your coach, but I won't be your friend. And I love that. Like, I love the fact that he does this here. It, it kind of backfires a little bit later in the movie. But here, he's <laughs> saying, I'm not going to be your friend. I'll be your coach. I actually had a football coach like this when I played football. I had a coach like this that said, I'm not, if you want to be a friend, someone to talk to, there's other coaches for that. I'm not that coach. I'm not that. So I like this attitude. I like the fact that he did this. So, um. Any other any thoughts on this whole speech from Herb? It's a, I mean, it's a great, it, it's a great um, uh, stand-up single moment. I mean, a lot, a lot of, a lot of actors beg for a role like this where you can get to do your, um, your band of brothers speech. And <laughs> this is, I mean, this is his, yeah. this is his big, you know, this is Patton in front of the flag and it kind of thing. It, it's like one of those things where you can say here's the piece that you're going to cut out of the movie. And when people, sh- you know, when people want to see, well, let's see a scene from the film, Kurt. And then they, you know, roll it. And this is, this would be the scene that they take out just to say, this is, this is the essence. Uh, this is the essence of the character. This is what that character is trying to bring across. And like, he's, like you said, this is, he's telling them he's not, uh, he's, he's a friend, he's their coach, but he's not their friend. We find out later. He's also their friend because that's, that's something that he's trying to bury down inside of him, but he has to be their friend because he's, he's a human being like anybody else. He has to come across as tough as nails, like, you know, like a real uh, Gregory Peck in, uh, in 12 o'clock high kind of thing. He has to be just, just hard as nails, but he's not, he's, he, he's not that way, but he has to be that way for his troops, the guys that are in front of him. Um, and it's always a fascinating thing to see this. It's, just, you know, I mean, it, we're used, we're used to this, the pep talk, the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the the roundup of of people to to be part of a team we're used to seeing this in a lot of other movies and it's no different but it's something that we've come to we've come to expect but we still that you know it doesn't make it any less important even if it's it's kind of a cliche because mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's what's needed at that point in time he has to be a leader and not just a buddy yeah and the funny part is you say the clip that comes from the movie that there is a speech later in this movie that gets played at hockey games to this day like and, and there's one speech later on. I'll get to it later in the movie that gets actually played at Milwaukee Admiral games here. Like I go to Admiral games, and it's part of like the third period hype is a clip from this movie. So like, <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> the the staging is cool here too because he starts his speech behind them, 
Yeah. Which later uh-huh. he's always the coach that's like, even when he, like he's waiting, making him do the drills, he's making Craig blow the whistle. You right. know, he's the one saying again, again. But so he's always like one step removed from them just to help with that being impersonal or seeming impersonal. True. It's very true. It's a very good point. Um, so we, we, the team, obviously, they celebrate. They're happy. We'll get to the team in a minute. I do crack up at their whole scene later. But um, we go outside to Herb and Walter talking. And I like the fact that Herb sets him straight. Like, look, I did my research. I did all my research. I know exactly who these people are. And I like the fact that he said, I coached some of them. I even called their coaches. And I said, what do you think of them? Like, what do you think? <laughs> like, I like that. Like, who? Like, that's work. That's the hard work that you don't you appreciate. You know, <laughs> like, it's pretty cool you did it all that. You know, and it's legitimately how this team was made. So I like the fact that they put this in here. So, um, so we do that. But then I do like the fact that we didn't bring up that Craig handed them the packets. The ridiculous over the top. We're going to answer these 2,000 question packets. <laughs> I never yeah. understood this whole bit. Like, it's so weird thing that only gets paid off, like, later on during, like, the scene with Jimmy Craig when he didn't want to do it. Like, like <laughs> paid off there. Like, none of this makes any sense on why they put this in here. <laughs> it's the, the the Mr. Miyagi tactic. That's what. Yeah, wax yeah. on, wax off. That's that's where it rolls through. Um, yeah, I, I like it though. It's funny, but it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, what what does you stop by a policeman, uh, but you're not at fault? What do you do? Like, what is the? <laughs> Do you see your agreement right away? Like, what? What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> like, what does that have to do with hockey? Like, nothing at all. <laughs> aye, aye. Well, we do. I mean, you, you, the thing is, everybody likes a good story. And, you know, this is this is a part of it. And I think, I think these, you know, it, it's funny how you think of the whole big movie, but you remember little things like that. And I think that's that's what, you know, like, like I was doing earlier in the show or a bunch of little stories that people find interesting. I think this is just one little piece that um, the, uh, I've forgotten the name of the author of the book that this movie was based on, but I think he collected, he, he collected these stories with Herb about, you know, what, you have what, that book somewhere in my book. Look, I have that book. I know you're talking about what, you know, <laughs> like what, what happened and like somewhere this wound up in a, this wound up in a little notepad somewhere and said, Oh, that's an interesting story. You know, it's like kind of weird, but it'll, it'll tell, it'll tell well later. And that's what, you know, that, that's what makes these little nuggets uh, more gives you, gives you more insight into the personality of Herb. Yeah. I know um, that in the back of one of my books that I have is all the Herbisms that come up later in the movie. They don't go literally the back of one of my books for like, six pages and all the herbisms that are throughout the movie <laughs> and it's really funny how they're all in one little section wow. <laughs> yeah i know it's clever <laughs> yeah i think that's pretty cool and what's fun about it is I, I should break that out and like when we get to like later in the movie to break those out and like they're in the book like i think it's pretty cool like, yeah like like fortune cookies yeah yeah it's so random and cool um so they start talking they start talking about it but then this is important for later they bring up this minnesota boston university game that I never heard of, obviously, before this movie. So now I'm sitting here. I want to know about this game now. I look <laughs> it up. And this is a massive, massive history-making game, actually, because it was in the Frozen Four, which I love the Frozen Four. For those who don't know, that's the NCAA tournament. It's just like the Final Four, and it's the Final Four for hockey. They do like a 16-team tournament, and they get to the Frozen Four. And Boston and Minnesota were always, both of Minnesota and Michigan were always there. Like, always there. Their fourth team was always the toss-up team. You never know who's going to be there. So at this time, what was cool about it, this is actually 76. I looked up this game that they're talking about. 
and Minnesota beat Boston four to two to go on to the national championship game. And then, and then Boston ended up losing to Brown University eight to seven in the next game, which is just a random team to be in the frozen four. <laughs> it's a random one. But the important part is they talk about all the penalty minutes and all the craziness that went on. And that's all legit, 100% legitimate game that they're talking about here. And I look at the penalties for this game, and I don't see this kind of stuff nowadays. The kind of stuff we saw like in the early 2000s NHL when there was all fighting and everything going on. That's just felt like I'm looking at this game card. I'm like, wow, the fighting and the ejections and all the crazy stuff that was going on in this game. Like, I understand why two teams would still be pissed about it four years later, three years later. Like, I can get it 100%. (laughs) Um, this this is tangentially related about using using rivalries to to bring up to bring things up in um, in 1962 when uh, John F Kennedy was trying to get us to go to the moon uh, he visited he visited Rice Stadium uh, the Rice University down in Houston just where they were building the Manned Spacecraft Center uh, and um, it was September September 12 1962. Uh, the Rice University and my alma mater, the University of Texas, uh, had a fierce uh, football rivalry, and they traded just about every other year. Rice won one year, UT won another, Rice won another year. And previously in 1961, uh, UT trounced uh, Rice University. And uh, Kennedy was going to make a policy speech about space flight. At, at this university. It was mostly composed of Rice University students and faculty. And oh, no. He, and so <laughs> he, had them, he had them there, and he, he had a whole bunch of uh, things that he wanted to go over. And uh, so he was trying to figure out some way he could get, he could get the university, uh, everybody in the stadium that he was at. It was a hot, sweltering day, 90 degrees. LBJ was there sweating like a pig, and the Joint Chiefs of Staff had come down for this big speech. And he's trying to figure out how could he get these people who are sitting out in the hot sun to get up on their feet and yell. And so uh, Ted Sorensen had written this big speech for him. And it was, uh, you know, uh, why do we do these things? Why do we, why go into space? Why, you know, why, he said, why 35 years ago did we cross the Atlantic? Why, why do we climb Mount Everest? Uh, and so he penciled in on the flight down, he wrote in five words uh, so because he figured out how he could get people to his feet to their feet and he wrote in why does rice play texas and so everybody got up everybody got up on their feet and yelled and when they just as they started yelling he said we choose to go to the moon we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things not because they're easy but because they're hard yeah every time now if you watch any kind of science movie i know this is far away from hockey <laughs> Every time you watch, anytime you watch any kind of science movie or something about the history of space flight, and they they put in Kennedy's speech, they always cut out the part where he says, "Why does Rice play Texas?" <laughs> and, and and so he gets, a, you know, and what you see on the screen is you see him go, "We choose to go to the moon," and everybody in yeah. the stadium's going, "Yeah!" And it's like they're not yelling because we're going to the moon; they're yelling because they want to beat Texas this year. <laughs> so, that's that's the old, so the next time you see that we choose to go to the moon thing you'll know they're not that's rooting amazing. for the moon they're rooting for rice university that's amazing that's all right well that is where we end our our time here our 20 minutes it's i've never done a block of 20 minutes with this this is actually pretty cool we, we got through a lot and um a lot of stories from jim so that was pretty cool <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah 
So let's um let's get the plugs. I I I'm saying everybody, this is obviously happening during the Olympic Games. So for me, it goes into the Blake South Show. We're probably talking about the Olympics over there. I don't know. It's we're planning. We're recording this way in advance. I'm not sure what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but um, go into go into the Blake South Show every single Friday at all podcasting. Like, wherever you hear this, go listen to the Blake South Show. Robert, I know it's you know we're doing this way in advance, but. Any projects you want to plug or 8,000 podcasts that you run, go ahead. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> what's weird is as we're recording this, I only have one show currently. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to have six. Um, but since Don S. Davis was in this segment, I'm just going to promote the one and say Twin Peaks Radio, where well, I'm there you go. currently, I haven't even gotten to the pilot episode of the TV show yet because I've been obsessing about weird little things. But I'm going to go no, through the no. show. An episode of, yeah, me obsessing. Gonna go through the show approximately an episode at a time, and then when I get to Fire Walk with me, it'd be a proper movie, but movies by minutes format, and then get to season three, an episode or so at a time, probably less than an episode at a time because I get carried away. Really? Yeah. Uh, that it's fun having no structure though. Isn't that called like, Talking Balls talk Minute, though? Where, yeah, is that called Talking Balls Minute? Or is it Talking Balls Minute where you're like going through the whole thing and not actually talking about the movie at all? Oh, yeah, Talking <laughs> Balls Minute. I talked about that movie for one episode. That's it. <laughs> I do. Anything you want to plug? Well, let's see. In uh, in February of 2022, we are beginning. I, I'm kind of semi-retired. I'm not doing my own my own show. Well, I'm adding a couple of episodes to my existing shows. I've got a couple of things coming up, but uh, the group uh, MXM Movies by Minutes project uh, that we're doing uh, premiering February 28, 2022 is the 1980, we're covering the 1985 uh, Lawrence Kasdan directed feature Silverado starring Kevin Costner, Kevin Klein, Scott Glenn, uh, Patricia Arquette, uh, John Cleese, the whole bunch of people. Great uh, show. One of my favorite Westerns. Um, and I think it's a lot of other people's favorites. Uh, yep. Got well, the reaction when you heard that video. It was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just uh, when I when I announced it, we uh, <laughs> announced it, making it sound like we were getting the big chill. But everyone's like, I don't want to do that movie. But then, yeah, the Silverado is much <laughs> much was, more intriguing. That was an amazing. That was an amazing video. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we have you know, and, and you guys are gonna you guys are gonna be part of this. I know that. Yep. So it's uh, it, it'll be fun. We, I just I've heard. Uh, I've, I've heard the outro score and I'm getting the intro score in later this week and it's really good orchestral. And uh, I've got some, some folks working nice. on this and uh, there's lyrics too. It's going to be intriguing. So, uh, wow. get ready, get ready. so yeah, everyone, I want everybody to bring their a game and I know they will. And it's uh, so everybody's going to have five minutes of the show. Cause we've got, hopefully hopefully by the time by the time this is airing we'll have all 26 people i have uh, 21 at the moment but i just gotta get five more so i just gotta do some do some more cajoling but uh, definitely check that out it's at silveradominute.com also available spotify you know, wherever you get your podcast it'll be on there but silveradominute.com will have all the stuff for you all right so people listening to this podcast is friday so monday our next episode will drop and it is a crazy group of people here it is kyle crane Kurt Hoffman and one of my best friends, Scotty Fellows. We're going to be getting together. It is a crazy group. I'm not quite sure how these three people ended up on the same team, but this is how it works sometimes when you put teams together. So that is going to be on Monday's show. It's a weird format of the show because it's just going to pop up random days during the next like two weeks. So <laughs> randomly pop up during the Olympic Games. You can listen to this in the morning and go and do the Olympics. So this will be the format for like, the next two weeks. So enjoy this. I'm actually looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to this for a couple of years, actually, to do this movie for these Olympic Games. So this is fun. Thank you, gentlemen, for taking time out to do this. Yeah. Thank you for having us. It's great. 
no problem. And um, for all listening, um, I hope you all do believe in miracles. Have a good day, everybody. Dream.